I'd like you to go to the book of John this morning. and I'm going to be speaking on something that I teach this every year on Wednesday nights. <clears throat> some of you may not know this. Some of you know that this is the Assembly Church, and you may think, okay, it's Assembly Church. What does that mean? And, and some of you may say, well, I don't know if they're, well, we know we're not Catholic. We know we're not Church of Christ. But are they Baptocostal or are they Christian or whatever? We are a, we're a Pentecostal is what we are. We not, may not be apostolic in, in our order and the way we do things, but we are Pentecostal in our doctrine, and we need to remain Pentecostal in our actions and in our belief and in our faith. And so this morning, uh, this is not a, a, a bunch of hype. I do not believe in hype. I do not like uh, manipulation of preachers. I don't like them to get up and coerce congregations into frenzies, and it drives me insane. I despise it. I've seen it many, many times. But this morning I'm going to be preaching on, preaching on the topic of the Holy Spirit and who He is and then the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Some of you are thinking, well, what's going to happen? And I hope it breaks loose, to be honest with you. I hope it breaks loose. And, but the main thing is you need to understand what being filled with the baptism in the Holy Spirit is. It isn't a crutch. It isn't a manipulation. It's not something you learn from someone else. I'm going to say all this now because... When we come up in closing, I'm going to give you very specific instructions. If you've never been filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you want to be, I'm going to tell you how we're going to, or- how we're going to do it this morning. Organize it and do it. It's not going to be with people in your ear laying hands on you, grabbing your forehead, shaking your hair down. It's not going to be that way. We're going to believe God to begin to speak into people's lives in a way that only He can. This is not a show, and, and Pentecost is not a show. It's become that in a lot of people's worlds, and in a lot of churches, it's become such a uh, manipulated hype, and I think it grieves him. And I don't want to grieve our Father, and I don't want to grieve Jesus, and I definitely don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit here this morning, but I want us to understand his purpose in the life of a believer. So with all that being said, I'll go to my notes. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, same thing, same person in the Trinity, same identity. You can use different terms. Nowadays, people say Holy Spirit more than they say Holy Ghost because Holy Ghost, they think, you know, it's Halloween. you got a sheet singing out in your yard and a ball tied in its head. It, it's not like that. Uh, he is a person. He is a spiritual entity. He is not weird. The Holy Spirit is not strange. The Holy Spirit is not something to make you fearful. And He is definitely not weak. The Holy Spirit is something that is critical in every one of our lives. Regardless of what place you are in your walk with the Lord, He is critical in maintaining who you need to be in Christ. Period. He has a purpose in your life as a believer. We can ask Him to give us direction. We can ask Him to impart wisdom. Often when we pray, we pray, Father, Father, Father. We pray, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But there's nothing wrong with you saying, Holy Spirit, I need you now. I'm in a circumstance I don't understand. I need wisdom. I need direction. I need understanding. Impart to me. And we get into John chapter 14 in a few minutes about what the Holy Spirit does and why he came as the comforter, the counselor, the advisor to bring truth into our lives, to bring things back so we can remember. If you're born again here this morning, you've given your heart to Christ, I'm going, to, I'm going to really be clear on this. You're not born again just because you go to church. You're not born again just because mom and dad goes. You're not born again because, oh, I try to do what's right. That has nothing to do with it. Being born again, it's when you come to the place, and we're teaching on servanthood. I'm going to really stress it again. I can't stress it quite enough. That if you don't come on Sunday mornings early at 945 to 1030, if you will come, then you will learn and you will be challenged in your walk in some ways you haven't been challenged before. So I really encourage it. 
But what happens when you understand that you need a Savior, it is not based on just your performance. Is performance important? Absolutely. Your performance was different before you got married, but after you were married, you became into a legal union. Your performance is more important. It's the same way with us in the Lord. When you understand your need of a Savior, when you understand that you are absolutely nothing outside of Him, when you understand that you are doomed for hell, and, and, and I know some people say, that's typical Christians, go straight to the hell. And, and I'm not a condemning pastor, but I want us to understand that there is one way to live and one way to die, and that's serving Christ. But when you understand that, and you begin to see, I need a Savior. I need a Savior. I don't need religion. I don't need a, my name on a roll. I don't need to be a member. I need to be born again. I need something to change on the inside. And when that happens, you only come to that place by the Holy Spirit drawing you. And I'm going to be able to go another step. If you never felt pricked in your heart and you never feel a little bit of conviction and you never feel like there's, there's something I'm missing in this, in this religious thing or in going to church, I, I feel good when I go and things are all great and I love the worship. But, but if you don't ever get to that place that you're being convicted about issues and areas of your life, something is missing. When you are born again, the Holy Spirit takes residence within us. That is who drew you to the altar in the first place. Whether your altar was driving down the road, in your house, in the bathroom, or up here in front of this or at another church. When you are drawn, the Holy Spirit is the one that dealt with your heart. And I'm not up here this morning to beat you over the head and make you feel condemned and make you feel like you've got to run to the altar. My purpose is to tell you there is a better way, there is another way, and that He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. So if you're here and, and you know some things are not quite what they ought to be, then friend, you need to investigate. Am I born again? Have I really surrendered my life to Christ? When he went to Calvary, did I really embrace that he was, he was born of a virgin, he died, he was resurrected, and he's returning again. Is that really who I am this morning, or do I just come because it's, it's a cool thing to do, my buddies go, and my parents go, and I just show up? If that part's missing, you'll never understand what we're going to talk about this morning, because it'll never have importance. So as we begin to talk about the Holy Spirit and His identity and who He is, we need to understand that He is important in every one of our lives. Whether you're Pentecostal, Baptist, Church of Christ, whatever you've come out of, that is irrelevant. What's relevant here this morning is that you understand the purpose of the Holy Spirit in your life. And friend, if you don't ever have conviction, something's missing. And let me go a little, another step. I don't know why I'm going to all these directions, but oftentimes we think, as well, as long as my performance is good. Well, let me tell you, you can learn how to do anything. You can learn how to, to perform and still not have any real change. When you come to Christ and you understand that you are lost without Him, there is a change. Absolutely. And you say, well, I'm there. That's all I need to do, but there's more. So we're going to start in John chapter 14. Things that Jesus was teaching His disciples about when He goes away, this comfort of the Holy Spirit, or the, the Holy Ghost, however you want to terminize, it doesn't matter to me. But he began to teach him about who this comforter would be. In John chapter 14 and verse 12 it says, Truly, truly, I tell you, he that believeth on me, the works that I shall do, he also do. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go to the Father. The greater works that was going to take place with the Holy Spirit is that he was going to deal with everyone individually. When Jesus came, he would speak to the masses, and maybe 3,000 or 5,000 or 10,000. But the Holy Spirit is with you in your car when nobody's around. The Holy Spirit is with you and he can deal with your heart about things when you're not in a church service or around somebody who supposedly is spiritual. He is very intimate. 
The Holy Spirit comes into your life and it becomes very intentional. A lot of people are religious and they go through the motions of religion and they know all, and I'm not trying to be ugly, but whether you're Pentecostal or or you're Catholic, you may know how to do the Hail Marys and the whatever else that goes on with Catholicism and all the things, and you may be able to come to church and raise your hands and close your eyes and shed a tear. Yep, thanks for the emphasis. I guess I moved too much. I don't know. If that happens again, we'll get a regular mic. But it's not learned behavior. When a person really comes to Christ, it becomes the essence of who they are and how important he is. So the Holy Spirit said, greater thing, Jesus said, greater things than these shall he do through you after I go to the Father. Go to verse, seven, verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not. Neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I'm going to stop here for just a minute, and I just want to um, talk to you about things. If you're looking from the outside, and maybe you feel like a little bit this morning you're on the outside looking in, but... Often when people begin to talk about the Lord and, and Him being relevant in your life and, and the different things that we discuss here at church sometimes, if you're on the outside looking at it, it can almost seem, well, that's kind of just typical religion, kind of strange. But whenever He said the Holy Spirit would begin to speak to people's hearts and the world knew Him not because they can't understand Him. But I'm going to tell you something I've seen over the years with people who are unbelievers. And they didn't come to church here, uh, just came to visit or whatever. But I've watched it in teaching, in the middle of teaching from the Word, I'll watch people's lives, and I'll watch their face, and they're not Christians. They've never given their heart to Christ, to my knowledge. But I begin to see an interest in them where if they would talked about it the day before, it would have never sparked an interest. But something was said, for whatever reason, that began to grab their attention, let them know it isn't just religion. There's something more to this. And serving Christ is more than just a religious experience. It's not about a hand raised, a tear fall, and fall on your knees. It's about a life change that takes place in your life. It's not a quick fix. It's something that you grow in over time. And so the Holy Spirit came, and Jesus said he's going to send him, that he will dwell with you and he will be in you. Uh, Go to verse 18. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And yet a little while the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live and ye also shall live. There's something about Christ that lives in us. Verse 12 was about preparational thinking. More is coming. You know, you go eat somewhere, often, I don't know how often you do, but if we go eat somewhere, often when we get in eating the main course, I say, do y'all want dessert? And I'll go, how? How could you eat dessert? But there are times that we go eat, and you get excited about what's coming because you know the dessert is so good. Now, years ago, my wife and I, we used to go to Cracker Barrel a lot when we were older and, and okay, when we were younger, and uh, there was something there we would go get just there. They had a upside down, like an apple fritter pie cake, something, they went a cake, some type of something, and they put vanilla bean and ice cream on top of it. I don't care how much pancakes we ate, how much anything else we ate, if they had that, dude, it was on. We were going to eat it. Now, I want you to fast forward into the life of a believer. You're happy with how you are in Christ. You're excited about what he's done in your life. But there's more. There's something else that maybe you haven't experienced yet. 
And it isn't an emotional feeling. And I'm not just talking, I'm not just talking about the term speaking in tongues because Folks, that is not the purpose of the infilling of the Holy Spirit, that we can all, oh, I speak in tongues. If it's a prideful thing, immediately the Lord left in the beginning. So, verse 15 through 17 is this, listen to me. The promise of something else is going to come, and it will be okay. It will be a key in your future. Verse 18, a comforter, an encourager. After Christ departs, he will come. Verse 26, go down to verse 26. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, shall teach you what? All things and will bring things to your remembrance whatsoever I've said to you. And you may not think that's a big deal. But let me tell you how critical it is that the Holy Spirit is working in our life. You ever read the Bible and it never makes sense? You ever read the Bible and you just kind of read through it and you just kind of go through the motions? You we gotta go to the word and we gotta say, Okay, Father, I want you to speak to me. Holy Spirit, show me a truth. Show me something. When you came this morning, before you got to this property, before you pulled in the driveway, were you saying, Father, I want you to speak to me today? I want you to speak to me in the worship. I want you to speak to me in the message, in the Sunday school classes that we have. Whatever it is, I want you to speak to me because without preparation, he can't hardly speak. just can't. And so we come to this place now, and the Holy Spirit will teach you, and he will guide you, and he will bring things to remembrance if you will ask him. Father, help me remember. Father, teach me how I need to deal with this circumstance. He is very personal. How many of y'all have ever used a physical trainer, a personal trainer in a gym? Okay, three, okay. Nick, you need to advertise personal trainers, I guess, at your gym. I don't know. A personal trainer gives undivided attention to who? Why? It's personal, and it's to work on a specific goal, a specific area that needs to be worked on. The Holy Spirit is your personal trainer. The Holy Spirit wants to function and work in your life because there's things, and you can deny it, make fun of it, say whatever you want. There are things in every one of our lives that we need to be trained us in. We need, him to, ask, we need to ask Him, Lord, speak to me. Spirit, show me what's going on and help me to understand this so I, can, so I can get through this. I can learn and be educated past this. Go to 1 Corinthians, if you will, in chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16. Know you not that you are all the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. And I want to stop there for a minute because then it begins to go into things that, that defile ourselves and things that keep us from the Holy Spirit. Really, I think, man, there's all kinds of scripture with the Holy Spirit. But you can grieve Him in your personal life. You can allow little things and little compromises in your life that you think is not a big deal, but it is. I remember in scripture... Jesus was talking to the scribes and Pharisees one day, and he says, you know, you guys talk about uh, thou shalt not commit adultery. He said, but I'm going to tell you this. When you as a man or a woman look at the opposite sex in a sensual way to have relations with him, you've committed adultery where? So how do you deal with that? The reality is that there's got to be something ever present in your life to keep certain things away. You have tendencies to lie. You have tendencies to do things that should not be going on in your life. The Holy Spirit needs to be present to prevent that, to convict us before it ever takes place. That's why it's so important that the Holy Spirit is functioning and he dwells within us. If we want him to have full function in our life, we can't be offended him and doing things that are contrary. Go to John, if you will, in chapter 7. St. John chapter 7. How many of you have a Bible with you today? 
I'm not going to ask how many don't have a Bible with you. How many of you have your phone or your iPad or, or whatever? How many of you all have one of those? Yeah. I can't hear those near as well. You have the click turned down. But um, how many of you don't have a Bible? Anybody don't have a Bible? If you don't have one, I encourage you to come let me know. I've got a couple in my office. But I'm going to say this too. I know some of you are really big into technology, which I am too. I'm, I'm pretty sharp on that kind of stuff. Uh, I have an iPhone. <clears throat> I don't have an iPad. But let me tell you why a Bible in your hands is so important. And all this is just a commercial. And, um, but the difference in your iPad and your iPhone is that when you have your Bible and you highlight and you mark things and you keep notes in it, um, it's hard for me to get my iPad out and just take my Bible and just begin to reminisce through things. I can't. Uh, when I take my phone out, I'm just going page to page, chapter to chapter, book to book. But when I get my Bible out and I just begin to look at the history that's in this that I've written, I begin to relive and re-educate and relearn things. And, it, and, and the thing is, you may think, well, I wouldn't write in a Bible. Let me, my Bible is extremely personal to me. And I go back and I look at those personal moments and it begins to speak to me. And the scripture I'm going to be using this morning is one that Greg Hubbard used a couple years ago here. And I didn't realize that I was studying. But it's important we understand it's very personal. I've got a ball cap. Next time we have service, I've got one ball cap left. If you're a male and you got your Bible with you, you know, you're under 30, you get a free Missouri ball cap that I bought for a dollar at, at Walmart. So you get a real treat coming. Um, John chapter 7, okay, whatever that was for, it was for that. <clears throat> this is a verse that Greg Hubbard used, I said uh, a couple years ago, but it was back in, it was, fi- it was in 2013. 5-12-2013. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus cried and said, If any man thirst, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And he that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. The powerful thing about that passage it's when a person is filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not containable. It isn't something. Let me give you an example. Um, I brought this. Didn't know if I would use it. But here I have two, two vessels. One's plastic. One's paper. This one has water in it. This one has air in it. Now this one here has two parts, the cup and the water. But this here, I can put water in it like every one of us, and we're all filled with the Spirit of the Lord if you're born again. It's there. But I'm going to show you something. There's something different about just having it in there. So I'm going to, I want to drink it. The thing that takes place, I hope I saved enough water. The thing that takes place when we are filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, probably don't have enough water. Definitely don't have enough water. Well, what happens is it's no longer just in here. It will create rivers of living water that flows out of you. You see, this relationship with the Lord, it begins to roll over. And it's no wonder that your brother came to the Lord because he's seen what's happened in your life. And it's no wonder that your parents are now serving the Lord because they see what Jesus is doing in your life. And it's no wonder that this is happening and that's happening because it continues to flow over and over. And it begins to affect everyone around you. And it's the same with all of us. Every believer that the Holy Spirit is functioning and working. And I'm talking every believer. 
We'll get to the baptism in just a little bit. But as he is flowing and working in our life, it is going to affect everyone else. Verse 37 says, thirst. You desire more and you're not afraid of what is to come. Verse 38, the innermost depths, something will change. It will flow. It's continuous. It's the fullness of things. Have you ever, you know, I use certain people for examples a lot. And I use James Redcloud a lot because I remember the old James. And he's not here this morning. And he probably wouldn't care if I used him. But the old James that I remember, and you've heard me say it before. But, but what I remember, James, is not wholesome things. I don't remember wholesome things about James Redcloud prior to 10 years ago. Not that he wasn't a great guy, because, dude, let me tell you, he was. He was one of the most committed guys to doing things that I've ever met. But the thing I also remember so much about James, that when he was around the kids, he might let a bad word slip every now and then. But if it was just those guys, it was free. Anything came through here, it was no filter. It just came right on out. Anytime I was, he wanted to go somewhere and whatever, he went and done it from alcohol or whatever. I don't know much about his past on that. But I know alcohol was common in his life. But what took place in James's life 10 years ago, it was a series of events that got his attention. But it was a series of events that got him realizing, I'm not in charge. I don't have it all together. I don't care how committed of a person I am. I don't care how good of a guy I am. Something's missing. And after he came to Christ, he became a sponge. And everything about him was about Christ. And it didn't just come in. It went out. He would call me every night or send me a text every night and we would talk about Scripture because he was being discipled and being the man that he is today. Is he walking perfection? Not at all. But he has a heart for other people and he has a heart that he's never had before. Why? Because something got on the inside and it's bubbling up and he's not content just to squash it down. That's why it's so critical in our lives. We quit squashing things and just let it grow and let it go. It doesn't matter. Some of you understood that and some of you didn't. Go to Acts chapter 1. James had an encounter. And I'll tell you this. Years ago, if somebody came to church with long hair and, and they didn't look right and they didn't seem right, if they came to church with tattoos or piercings or, or, or hair down their back and they were a man or they were scruffy or they had piercings, whatever, most people in church looked down and uh, okay. And you know how many times they came back? You've heard me tell this, but James Redcloud gave his heart to Christ and cut off jean shorts. That is James. If I have an image of James, just cut off jean shorts with the frazzles on the bottom. Am I right, Michael? And no shirt on, walk around with long hair. I think he may have flip-flops on, maybe, or barefoot. Typical engine, you know. No offense, but anyway. Uh, what you would think at 3 or so in the morning, I show up at his house. Walks out in the garage and he goes, well, I guess it's time for change. And he didn't instantly walk into the place that he is now, but he has grown into the place that he is now. You see, as we grow in his walk with the Lord, we mature and we learn. But the next thing I'm going to talk to you about is in Acts chapter 1. Don't be afraid of who the Holy Spirit is. He is not offensive. And I'm going to tell some of you this here this morning. Some of you have never been around Pentecost, and some of you have never been around some things that may seem, you know, kind of challenging or whatever. But what I want to talk to you about with this is that you're not afraid of who the Holy Spirit is. He's not a bully. He's not some ghost with fangs. He is someone who comes into people's lives to make things better. That's just the way he is. So in Acts chapter 1, and that's where we'll go, in verse 5, 
And being assembled together with him, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. Verse 5, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with what? The Holy Ghost, not many days hence. Go down a little farther. Verse 8, and you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Now I'm going to give you a little story back in the book of Psalms chapter 23. In Psalms chapter 23, and part of the psalm, it says, Thou anointest my head with oil. Now, you may not know the significance of that, but the, the anointing on a, a sheep's head at that point had a, lot of, had a lot of reasons why it was anointed. How many of y'all know that you are dictated in life by how you think? You believe that? How you think is how you live. How you think is how you respond. How you think is how you continue to live. Until this changes, something else, will, the other things will never change. They just won't. Okay, so here we have Psalms 23. See, anoint my head with oil. Why does he anoint the sheep's head with oil? Because if they didn't anoint them with certain types of oils, and how many of you know when you get oil on you, it doesn't just come off, it has to kind of wear off. And with these sheep, they would anoint their head, and this is teaching that many of you already know, but, but they would anoint their head with oil, and it would run down, and they would be mixed with different myrrhs or whatever, and it would get around their eyes and in their ears because... There was this one particular fly over in the Middle East at that time anyway that it would get into their eyes or get into their ears. And once it did, it would lay larva in their ears. When it laid the larva in their ears, then it would go on into the inner head or the inner ear and it would begin to create pressure. And it began to eat on the interior tissue of the sheep. And so what they would see, have you ever heard the term banging your head against the wall? Never made any sense. We have a little girl here in the church named Samantha used to bang her head on the floor, which never made any sense, but she did. But these sheep, they would anoint them with oil, and then it would go to the wall, and it would begin to bang its head repeatedly against the wall. Why? Because it was trying to relieve the pressure that had gone on from this thing that infiltrated. When we talk about the anointing of the Holy Spirit here, and talk about it running over, it's something that begins to go farther. And it gets upon you. You have to have this anointing upon you. And I think it's unique, even in the Old Testament, when they were in battle, and Moses and Aaron were there upon the mountain, and, and Moses' arms, when his arms, well, actually Aaron himself was anointed with oil. It started here and it ran down. It's the same with us. This anointing has to be going on. Listen, there is more to be ready for. Listen, pay attention. Verse 8, to receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you. A blanket, a covering, a motivation to move his message, not just about him, but through us about him. Luke chapter 4, Jesus said, It is upon me to preach the good news. The Holy Spirit is upon me to proclaim the good news, to preach to the brokenhearted. To bind. You can read the rest of it yourself. Luke chapter 4. The Holy Spirit is evident that he creates something within the life of a believer. He just does. It's more. It doesn't make you more saved. And let's really stress this. It doesn't make you any more holy. It doesn't give you more feathers in your cap. It doesn't make you better than anyone else. I've known people that have built a doctrine around if you don't speak in tongues and you're going to hell. And that is not scriptural. Do we need to speak and be filled with spirit? Absolutely. But it isn't something that you're going to hell over. But it is something that is an empowerment. Let's go a little bit farther. Let's go to Luke, Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. One of the things I have been really impressed with is I listen to different pastors preach on the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So many of them are holding true to it. We have a tendency today in this era that people don't hold true to our, our Pentecostal doctrine. They think it's something of the past or it's not really relevant, but it is. The supernatural works of Christ and the Holy Spirit working are just as real today as they were the first century church. And although you may have been taught and other people may have said 
that the, the things went out with the first century church that it's foolish. Foolish. It's something that continues on. So when we go to Acts chapter 2, and it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were, with all, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as, as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is where we're going to talk for a minute. If you ever hear on a Wednesday night when we teach on the Holy Spirit, you'll find out that I'm a, I'm a stickler for this. When you pray for somebody or somebody's up seeking to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you do not get in their ear. You don't grab the microphone and start speaking in tongues so they can mimic it. You don't tell them to start saying, burrito, 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 taco, 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 taco. That's not how it happens. This, and you may think that's humorous, but it's happened in churches, in Pentecostal churches. This is a supernatural thing that God does. It's an impartation, if you will. It's something that he places on you. It isn't something that makes you a freak. It doesn't make you a weirdo. And I'm not trying to be mean. You don't have to put your hair up in a bun and shout it down. You don't have to wear sleeves to your wrist. You don't have to wear a dress or long pants all the, all the time your whole life. And you, you, can, you can even have facial hair and speak in tongues. You can. And don't get offended. But those are all things that we place on holiness. And this is not what we're talking about. The reason that we need the infilling of the Holy Spirit is that He will fill us and He will empower us and He can lead us and He can guide us. In the book of Acts chapter 2, we read it there a minute ago, and He will come upon you. And when He does, He will give you power to be witnesses. Let me try to stick to my notes. Don't confuse this with emotionalism. This is no coerced. It is not an action that you repeat after somebody. It's not sensationalism. This was an occurrence that should empower you and I and change the course of our lives. After a person is saved, and you have to be born again to be filled with the baptism in the Holy Spirit, but boldness to say things, and the greatest thing I think about being filled with the Spirit is a boldness to serve, a passion to make a difference, not because you're better. This is a gift. And I remember someone saying to me once, well, why is it addressed so much in the book of Acts? And I said, well, it isn't that much. You have in Acts 2, Acts 4, Acts 9, Acts 19, I think it is, there are different places that people were filled. But it wasn't something that the whole book is just about people speaking in tongues. And friend, if that's why you want to be filled, so you say, well, I've spoken in tongues. And at church camps and other places, that's become the norm. That is not why. We're going to ask you to come. It's not so you go, oh, I speak in tongues. Like, I've reached a spiritual plateau. I believe tongues is like every other gift. It has its purpose and it has its place. It's very intimate. It's very private. When I pray in the Spirit, a lot of you have never heard me. And I don't care if you hear me or not. If you think I'm going to get up here and do it just so you can hear me because our pastor speaks in tongues from the platform, then you're here for the wrong reason. To me, being filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit is extremely private. I look at a relationship with the Lord like a relationship with a husband and his wife. Not a husband and partners. Not partners and a whatever. I'm talking about a marriage relationship between a man and a woman. It becomes intimate and nobody else has to be there. Matter of fact, 90% of my time, my whole life, that I've ever been praying in the Spirit, is when nobody else is there except me and God. 
It's never about promoting me. It's never about promoting you. It's about Him promoting us, working in our lives and empowering us. So I'm going to ask you to come up here in a minute. If you've never been filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when you come, you're going to be alone. There's not going to be seven people around you shaking, gyrating, in your ear, hollering and yelling. It's not going to happen. It's going to be you and Him.